Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. And today our guest is Dan Hanford. Thanks for being on the show again, Dan. Thanks, Whitney, for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, Dan's been on the show a few times now. We invite you to go back and listen to WS14 and also WS225 and to hear more about his background and many interesting things, what he's accomplished and how he's got going in this business and seeing some uh, lots of success doing very well. You know, thank you again. And a little about Dan before we get going. He's a managing partner of PassiveInvesting.com, an apartment syndication company that has 130 million and 130 doors. Dan is also the founder of Multifamily Investor Nation, a nationwide group of over 9,000 elite multifamily investors. Dan, thanks again. Briefly, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and, and then let's jump right into some tips for investing passively in multifamily syndications. Sure. Yeah. So basically, my background has been in business primarily. And you know, like, like you said earlier, you can jump on uh, episode 14, WS14, if you want to dive a little bit more in my background. We, we, we expounded on that quite a bit on that episode. But my background is in business. My main businesses that I have is I have five non-surgical orthopedic medical clinics. And I'm actually broadcasting today from one of those locations as well. And so, you know, because of the money that I was making off of that, I needed a place to be able to reduce my taxable liability. And with the multifamily real estate, the syndication space, that's how I was able to achieve that. So my background was, I love marketing. So I'm a very good, very big marketer. And so uh, one of the things that we started to do is just to be able to, you know, start to create our own groups and stuff like that. And before we get started today, Whitney, I'd like to share a little bit about the event that we have coming up. I know you're going to be speaking at the event. It's called the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit. One of the things that we've decided to do for your listeners is anybody who uses your promo code, Whitney, to register for the summit. And if you want more information about the summit, it's all about multifamily. It's, there's information there about multifamily syndication, but also if you're just trying to put together your own deals and find more information about that, you can go to mfinsummit.com and uh, find the 60 plus speakers that'll be there. It's all online. You don't have to leave the comfort of your own home or office. All the sessions will be recorded. It's June 27th, 28th, and 29th. And everybody who goes there from your listeners that uses that promo code, all of the revenue that we bring off of the ticket sales from anybody who purchases it, we're going to donate to the LifeBridge Capital nonprofit that helps support children adoptions. Thanks again for that, Dan. And I hope all the listeners will check out the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit. It was a great event. Last time, and it's amazing that you can watch it from anywhere and anytime. Even if you can't make every session right then, you can watch it later. And then you can network with different people online and talk about the events. You can even ask sometimes questions while they're happening. Is that right, Dan? That's right. And you were actually, you spoke at the last one, but you actually were attending another event that was in person at the same time, weren't you? I was. I was speaking at another event and then I took a break and was, I went up to the hotel room and spoke at, that, at your event as well. It was great. That's why we're able to get so many high quality speakers is because we're not having to compete with other events because it's very easy for anybody from anywhere to do it. We had, we had speakers from the Bahamas and Israel and Australia and you know New Zealand, all over the place and Canada, all coming together in this one live three-day event. So I appreciate you speaking at the last time and I appreciate you coming and speaking again at this next one coming up as well. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. 
Yeah, let's dive in. Some tips. I know you have some tips for investing passively in multifamily syndication, and let's get started. So I'm going to probably step on a few toes here, Whitney, okay? You know, obviously right now, everybody's, you know, concerned about some sort of downturn in the economy or some sort of correction that might be coming up. And so I've come up with these three criteria that, you know, when you're looking at investing passively with another syndication, these are some things that you should look at. And these three tips are primarily with a multifamily syndication. So if it's a different type of syndication, actually, I would probably say that all three of these would still apply. All three of these little things would still apply, whether it be in multifamily or self-storage or whatever, you know, commercial, all of these would apply. So the first one we're going to talk about, Whitney, is leverage, you know, and so for those of you who might not know what that term means, it's, it's really how much are you getting as far as a loan is concerned to be able to acquire a particular asset. So, and it's what they call the loan to value ratio, right? That LTV or that loan to value. And so that allows you to determine how much are you willing to take on as debt to be able to acquire this asset. And so in most situations, we try to take on as much debt as we can because the less amount we have to bring to the table, the higher the returns could be. But at the same time, you have to balance that with getting over leveraged or getting too much debt where you can't actually pay your debt service if there is a downturn in the economy. And so one of the things that you have to look at is, is when you're looking at a deal that you're going to invest passively, where is that leverage component? Where does it land? In most situations, I would say you want to stay around 75% or, or lower. Now, certain situations, when you look at them, depending on the asset, would be okay to go a little bit higher. You know, like if you have an asset that's a much larger asset where you know it's a more stabilized asset and there's, you look back at the historicals and see that it's not really dipped that much, you could maybe stretch it a little bit and go to that 80% leverage. But I've seen some deals recently, Whitney, that have gone to 85, 86% leverage. I'm just not comfortable with that kind of leverage on, on these types of assets. And there could be other business plans too, right, that may change this or maybe the value of the property, or maybe it's only 50% occupied right now, so the value is really low. But, you know, you know, in six months to a year, you're going to be remodeling, you're going to be doing things to, the value is going to be drastically higher in a year's time. And again, I'm not saying that you should never go over 75, but if you're looking to invest passively and you want to stay as conservative as possible, I would say stay below 75. Because to me, my comfort level in investing is with preservation of capital. And so we don't acquire anything that's at 50% occupancy because there is no cash flow. As a matter of fact, at 50% occupancy in, in almost every asset, you're going to be putting money into that business, into that syndication for the first year to two years until you get it stabilized. And so one of the things that we do is we always buy assets that are cash flowing the day we close on them. And that way we're not having to worry about that 50% that occupancy. Now, Somebody who goes in and has that stomach for a 50% occupancy, are they going to get a better return if they implement that business plan than me? I would say yes, but you're balancing risk versus reward. So there's a lot higher risk in taking on a 50% occupancy property versus taking on a 90% occupancy property as well. Yes. No, I agree completely. I would be 75% be the max usually. Most of the time right now, we're trying to get it around about 70%, so give or take one or two points. You know, 68, 69, 70, 71, somewhere around in there, as far as the, the leverage is concerned. We can go up to 75 on some of these assets. And of course, some asset classes, depending on, you know, some of your lenders, they might not allow you to go past that. 
most of your lenders that are going to allow you to go past that are going to be what are called your bridge lenders, which are the ones that are going to bridge between a permanent agency debt or fixed debt, and they're kind of bridging the gap between you acquiring the property and you being able to get it to a point where you can go into some of that permanent debt. And sometimes that bridge is required because you can't get into an asset when, you know, with some of this, like in our situation with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, when you don't have at least 90% occupancy for at least 90 days. And so you have to start off with a bridge loan first, get the assets stabilized, and then go into that. But even though the bridge lender will give you 80% leverage, you don't always have to take it. Maybe give us one or two questions we should be able to ask a sponsor or a syndicator when we're just concerning the leverage or the debt. Sure. I would ask them what their plan is. You know, say, hey, you know, obviously, hopefully when their presentation, they've given you that plan. But unless there's a, a reason or a story behind why they're getting that much leverage, they need, they need to be able to answer that question of, you know, well, why are you getting at 86% leverage, you know? And are you concerned? And what are your contingencies in place? What happens if, let's say it is a 50% occupancy, what happens if the day you close, the market turns, and you're in this thing with 86% leverage on a 50% occupancy property, are you going to continue to try to build up and get that stabilized? What's going to happen? Are you going to be able to do that? So a lot of these things are what ifs and they are speculation. So I don't like to invest in speculation. And that's one of the reasons why I like investing in stabilized assets already is that I'm not hoping that I can get it, you know, an increase in occupancy. I'm already at that occupancy level. But you have to ask those questions of, what are your contingencies that you have in place if the day we close or six months down the road after we close, the market turns and we're still at 50% occupancy? Yeah, well, yeah. what happens? Yeah. That's the worst thing you can do in a syndication is not the worst thing. I guess you can lose a bunch of people's money, but when you start to do capital calls, that definitely you know impacts your investors quite a bit. No doubt. No doubt. So 75% or lower, and uh, we want to be able to ask them what their business plan is. They should be able to answer that. Why are you going to leverage as much? What's your plan if the market turns? Yeah. What's next? The second thing that I would want you to look at is the operating reserves. Because sometimes you look at that and they go, oh, we have one month of operating reserves. And I don't feel like that's sufficient. You know, you need to have more than just one month of operating reserves. You know, three to six, to, I mean, as much as you can, the 12 months of operating reserves and again, a lot of times that a lot of reasons why some of the, some syndication groups don't want to have a lot in operating reserves, or maybe they don't want, they don't put a lot in operating reserves because the more money that they put in operating reserves is the more money that they have to raise. The more money that they have to raise, it also reduces the returns to the investors. And so they're balancing this whole act of you know making sure that they can increase the internal rate of return to their investors as well as you know, trying to reduce the amount of money that they have to raise because the more they have to raise, the higher the likelihood that they might not be able to raise that amount. And so you want to make sure that they have enough in operating reserves to be able to withhold and withstand you know, a storm if it does come. Because if you look back in 2008 when the market crashed, properties that were able to hold on throughout that dip are doing, or not are, they did very well when they exited their properties. And then those are the people that had low leverage and had plenty in operating reserves. And what are you comfortable with? You know, if I'm a passive investor, you know, what's that answer that you're looking for there? You know, if I say, okay, you know, how much are you all putting in reserves? So I know that we can weather that storm. Yeah. I mean, I think that they, there has to be an answer that gives you a comfortability level of being able to invest in it. So my story that I like to see is I like to see at least three months, sometimes six months. 
it's an asset and it's kind of like a tertiary city, you might want a little bit more. You know, so it just depends on the asset, depends on the occupancy that it's currently at. So if you're acquiring a property that has a little bit lower occupancy, you know, 80, 85 percent, you might want to have more in reserves and just in case it drops below that even more, you know. If you have a more stabilized and a growing economy type market, that 95% historically for the last several years, you might not need as much in that operating reserve account. But I would say that the more you can have in that operating reserve, the better, because it just makes for a lower risk deal. And obviously, the lower the risk, the lower the return. That's just kind of how it works. But I would rather have a little bit lower return, but have a little bit lower risk so I can, I can practice that swan principle, right? Sleeping well at night. That's really the, the biggest thing is, is that in, in a syndication model, we're taking on outside investors' money. And we want to make sure that we can sleep well at night, but also our investors can do the same thing. So when you say three to six months of reserves, I just wanted to make sure that's enough to cover all the expenses for three to six months, correct? Or just the debt? Correct. Right, but it's everything. It's covering everything, correct? Yeah. Yeah. With no reserves, I don't see how you could get into a syndication with no reserves. Yeah. Well, I mean, and some people get it with just one month and you can hold on for one month. I mean, <laughs> and obviously, even if you have one month of reserves, you would be able to last, you know, several months over with just one month of reserves because one month of reserves is one month of all of your expenses, right? And so if you have a downturn and you have a little bit drop in your occupancy, chances of going to 0% occupancy is pretty low, right? So you're still going to have money coming in but it still allows you to hold on as long as you need to. And even if you start to get into the property and you realize, hey, I got three months of reserves, I don't really need that much because if we, even if we get down to this occupancy level right here, we can last for another 18 months. And obviously, you can start to return some of that capital back to investors throughout the time as well as you start to realize that you don't really need that, that amount of money. No, I like that. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Absolutely. So the third thing, the last thing here is, is this is something that I've learned from watching other groups is you need to look at the operator and their background and their experience level and not necessarily just in multifamily. So a lot of people are new in this space and, you know, I don't have any problem with that. You know, I've been into it just a little over a year doing it full time. And so I feel like though that you need to look for an operator that has some form of experience in business, some sort of a background in business to be able to make sure that they can make decisions because at the end of the day, this is a business. And so when you have downturns in the economy or the property shifts or something happens on the property, they know how to handle it. To give you an example, I saw recently on Facebook, somebody posted about a somebody you know having a slip and fall on their property and they're getting ready to get sued. You know, they're worried and they're freaking out and all this kind of stuff. And if you've never been sued before, it can definitely be a scary time, right? But if you've been sued before, you kind of know, and I'm not saying being sued for something you did wrong or anything like that, but things like that happen in business. You know, people have slip and falls, you have employee issues, you have certain things that go on and you're going to get lawsuit. But if you've been through one of those before, I feel like you know how to handle those a little bit better. And because what happens sometimes in businesses is we get a lawsuit and our focus shifts to the lawsuit and all of a sudden the business starts to go down. You have to be able to make sure you know how to balance both of those. And that's just one example. But And so some people I've told that to, they've said, well, I've never had any background in, in business before, so what do I do? Well, I think that's one of the reasons why in this space you have to partner with other people. You have to partner with people that have some form of background and experience in either multifamily or in business in general 
it helps to kind of round out and kind of shape your group to allow people, the investors, to be able to feel comfortable investing with you. Yeah, I can see where, you know, even if you haven't been sued before, but if you have a background in business, things like that that come up that you can just kind of train your mind to respond differently, right? Well, you know, we'll get through it. It's not a big deal. And you're going to research, you're going to figure out, you're going to make it happen, right? You're going to figure out ways that it's, it's just not going to overtake your life because you know you're going to overcome it. I actually told that person, I said, well, if somebody slipped and fall and they're going to file a claim, you're going to be sued and there's going to be a settlement. That's why you have insurance. I mean, <laughs> you can't lose sleep over that. That's just business. You know, it's going to happen and you just have to have your insurance write the check. And well, what about the insurance going up? Well, that's part of business. It's going to go up. So you just have to understand what's going to happen and just realize, hey, it's okay. It's just part of business. Yeah, it's really those life experiences that this syndicator or somebody's had beforehand, but specifically this time in business. For sure. So those are the three things that I would say I recommend is, is watching out for the being over leveraged, not having enough in operating reserves. And that last thing is, is, you know, teaming up with an operator that has a good background in business or even have some track record in multifamily. Some listeners are saying, well, just like you said, you know, how do I get started? You know, I've got this W-2 income. I've had a W-2 job for however many years. I've been an entrepreneur. You know, how do I get started? And, and that could be a whole nother podcast, but it sounds like you'd recommend you're going to find another syndicator that has experience and partner with them. Yeah. And going back to the episode we did prior to this, which was WS225, on that episode, we talked all about meetups and how to leverage meetups to be able to meet people and network with people. That's a great way to find your next partner is uh, being able to go to those meetups and meeting people that, you know, and networking with people that have a little more experience in a different area. And that way you can start to team up with people that you can start to trust as well. Awesome. Dan, we're going to be out of time, but tell the listeners a little more about you and or how they can get in touch with you. And then tell them again about this promo code for the Multifamily Investor or Nation Summit. Sure. Yeah. So for those of you who are interested in possibly, you know, passively investing with our group, we have a, a group called PassiveInvesting.com. You can go there. There's a form there on the website you can fill out that you can jump on a phone call with me and I'll just jump on there on a phone with you, phone call with you, discuss your investment goals if you're interested in, in joining our group. And then you can also join our Multifamily Investor Nation group. Um, you can go to multifamilyinvestornation.com, find out more information about us there. Uh, follow us on Facebook as well as YouTube and LinkedIn. And then uh, for those of you who are interested in the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit, it's going to be an online virtual summit. Whitney's going to be speaking there for the second time. And we're going to have over 60 speakers, over 1,000 attendees. And if you use the promo code Whitney to be able to register for your ticket, all of the proceeds that we collect off of that promo code, we're going to donate to the LifeBridge Capital nonprofit that helps support the children adoptions. And so you can go to MFINsummit.com and find out more information about it and register for the summit coming up in June. Great. Thank you again for that, Dan. Appreciate your support very much. And, and I hope the listeners will take advantage of that and use that promo code Whitney. I also hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. I'd love to get on the phone with you as well. And then go to our Facebook page, Real Estate Syndication Show, where we can all learn and grow our businesses together from experts like Dan. We will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time.
Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.